Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning, it's Thursday the 9th of November here in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, a call for change. Hillary Clinton tells Bloomberg Israelis and Palestinians need new leadership. Citadel founder Ken Griffin says the peace dividend is over as global events push the world towards deglobalization. Plus, Georgia Maloney defies her doubters to stay in the top job. We have a special report on what's next for Italy's Prime Minister. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. Israel says some 50,000 more Palestinians have fled to southern Gaza as the army pushed deeper into Hamas strongholds in the north of the territory. It comes as former US Secretary of State Hillary Clinton says both Israel and the Palestinians need new leadership. In an interview with Bloomberg's editor-in-chief, John Micklethwaite, at the New Economy Forum in Singapore, Clinton was asked if she thought Benjamin Netanyahu could be part of negotiating a solution. I, I don't think there is any evidence of that. I think the Israeli people will have to decide uh, about his leadership. I think there will be investigations about what led up to and what happened on October the 7th. But I, I think there needs to be new leadership of the Israelis and the Palestinians uh, in order to have any chance at some kind of uh, peace deal, uh, especially a two-state solution. Hillary Clinton says while Israel is unlikely to agree to a ceasefire, that would benefit Hamas. It probably would accept pauses to allow aid to reach civilians in Gaza. Israel's government has vowed to destroy Hamas following the October 7th attack that killed 1,400 people. The military response has involved a bombing campaign that the Hamas-run health ministry says has killed over 10,000 Palestinians. Citadel founder Ken Griffin says that the world is facing unrest and structural changes that are pushing it towards deglobalization. Also speaking at Bloomberg's New Economy Forum, the billionaire hedge fund manager said that events in Gaza and Ukraine are helping to reshape the global economy. Regretfully, the, the peace dividend is clearly at the end of the road. No matter what one may dream to be reality, Reality is, is there's two wars in the world right here, right now, one of which is in Europe. So there's, there's no doubt that the NATO countries are going to have to increase defense budgets over the years ahead. That's going to come at a point in time where governments around the world are already struggling with the sizes of their deficits. Griffin also warned that U.S. fiscal spending needs to be put uh, in order as the country is, quote, spending on the government level like a drunken sailor. He added that the Federal Reserve can continue printing money to avoid a default, but that the economic consequences of doing so will be devastating. China slid back into deflation in October with both consumer and producer prices contracting. Bloomberg's Brian Curtis has more from Hong Kong. 
The CPI fell 0.2% last month after hovering near zero the previous two months. That compares with the forecast for a 0.1% drop. Producer prices, meantime, dropped 2.6%, a 13th consecutive month of contraction. The PBOC had said back in August that prices would rebound after a rough patch in the summer, but this latest data shows the assessment was far too optimistic. The housing slump and weak consumer confidence remain. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Radio. Now, the Federal Reserve is scrutinizing whether Morgan Stanley's wealth management business is doing enough to prevent potential money laundering by wealthy clients. Bloomberg's Tina Adebayo reports now. Fed officials are pressing wealth managers at Morgan Stanley to improve anti-money laundering oversight and processes. The watchdog privately reprimanded Morgan Stanley for failing to make all of the changes it wanted. The wealth business generates almost half the company's revenue. Representatives for the Fed and Morgan Stanley declined to comment. Senior executives across Wall Street have described an era of heightened regulatory scrutiny and the risk it elevates costs. In London, Tiwa Adebayo, Bloomberg Radio. Self-driving cars could be regularly seen on Britain's roads in the next couple of years. That's according to the Transport Secretary, Mark Harper, who says the government's planned legislation will aim to clear up who's liable if there's a crash. We'll have rigorous safety cases. We'll use lessons from other safety-critical industries to make sure that framework's in place. And we'll work with car manufacturers, with the developers of this technology, and the insurance industry to make sure we can deliver self-driving cars in the next few years. Mark Harper says that the legal framework for driverless cars is part of a plan to create a £42 billion industry with 38,000 jobs in the UK by the middle of the next decade. The legislation will take a number of months to become law. The UK government is behind the curve in establishing regulations compared to other jurisdictions. Thinking about those comments from Hillary Clinton uh, at the Bloomberg New Economy Forum in relation to the Middle East and the need for new leadership Mm. on both the Israeli and the Palestinian side, it's worth reflecting too on how this debate is playing out in the UK. Uh, This as there's been much controversy over a planned pro-Palestinian march due to take place on Saturday, which is Armistice Day, um, which had caused some objections about those two events happening at the same time, although the march's organisers say that the march won't be taking place anywhere near the Cenotaph where the uh, Armistice Day commemorations are taking place. It's become Mm. quite a big political row. Yeah, I I think um, it's gone on for many days, but it does look now like the Prime Minister has confirmed that the march will actually take place. There'd been a lot of criticism and questioning of the Metropolitan Police Commissioner, Mark Rowley, who is obviously the most senior police officer in in the UK and sort of in charge of protests. But it is also the Home Secretary's language that has been um, at the centre of this row. This is Suella Braverman, who has called the pro-Palestinian march marches, hate marches, the opposition Labour leader Keir Starmer accusing Braverman of of, of picking a fight with the police instead of working with them. Um, It really is uh, very, very contentious, but it does seem now like the Prime Minister is saying it can go ahead, even though he continues to call the marches, quote, disrespectful. He has talked about, you know, concerns about sowing division. Um, But yes, as you say, the organisers have sort of um, have, have their own view saying that they're going to, um, you know, that they, they see the right to protest, but they'll avoid um, where Armistice Day events will be taking place. Yeah, if you're looking for more uh, to read on the, uh, I suppose, 
questions around Soella Braverman and how she fits into Rishi Sunak's cabinet. Um, the read out with Kitty Donaldson, the newsletter yesterday from Bloomberg, a great read on, on some of the other issues that in fact could be causing some problems with inside the Conservative mm. Party as well. Um, so that's something else that we are watching this morning. Well, let's go back to that conversation with the former US Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton. She's been speaking at Bloomberg's New Economy Forum in Singapore, saying both Israel and the Palestinians need new leadership in order to have a chance of achieving a peace deal. In conversation with Bloomberg's Editor-in-Chief, John McAuthway, she also discussed trade tensions and the upcoming meeting between Presidents Joe Biden and Xi Jinping. There hasn't been as much interaction until relatively recently between the Chinese and the United States governments. There has been uh, a you know, real chill uh, coming from China about businesses, uh, American businesses, other businesses inside China. And then there are, of course, political uh, pressures against China within our own uh, political system. So this meeting is a terrific opportunity to try to reset the uh, table, so to speak, to try to create some opening. Uh, but it has to be followed up on with a lot more uh, interactions. I was very pleased that Secretaries Yellen and Raimondo and others have been going to China uh, in recent weeks. Nothing substitutes for the effort being made to have those kinds of uh, you know, meetings about strategic and economic concerns. I think a lot of what happens in the future um, really depends upon what Xi Jinping's goals are. You know, part of the reason it was you know, somewhat more um, positive uh, when I was there and we had a, a very regular set of meetings uh, is because uh, Hu Jintao was a Chinese leader who decided he would not stay for life. He would fulfill his term he would follow the guidance of the Chinese Communist Party. There would be a transition, a new group of leaders, you know, some holdovers, but you know, other new faces uh, would be uh, in power. And so there could be a constant uh, renewing of both the Chinese government and through that, the American uh, relationship. Once Xi Jinping decided to stay in office for life, that creates a, a lot of um, you know, challenges within their own system, and I think we're seeing some of that with the removal of top officials, some of the economic uh, problems in the Chinese economy, but it also creates a kind of chilling effect in terms of relations. I mean, how do you deal with somebody who's not gonna be held accountable? You know, I mean, their system of accountability was certainly different from ours, but it existed, and now it doesn't. And so part of what I hope will come out of this meeting is an attitude by uh, President Xi that you know he wants to get back to some kind of regular order, uh, that he sees it in China's interest to uh, really dig in with uh, President Biden, uh, develop a, a, a platform for discussions, for problem solving, uh, look for ways to cooperate on whether it's you know, climate change or other matters that may be uh, of mutual interest to us, really sending that signal. I think he will find a receptive uh, partner with President Biden if, if that's available. That's a very interesting perspective. I'm going to push you, uh, rush you slightly towards the Middle East, which I've seen you've been talking about this week, Israel and Hamas. There seem to be kind of two big theories going on about this war. One is that this is the end of the peace process. The other, which you, you've championed, the other is that this is 
If nothing else, this will prompt finally some move towards a two-state solution. Which, which, which side of that do you fit on? Well, I actually try to fit on both. And I'll tell you, John, I think uh, it's important to have some uh, aspiration, some goal that we can look toward. Uh, many of us, uh, my husband particularly, worked very hard on trying to get a two-state solution. And it, frankly, in retrospect, is heartbreaking that uh, Yasser Arafat walked away from the uh, deal that Bill had brokered between Israel and the Palestinian Authority back in uh, 2000. There could have been a Palestinian state um, on up to 97% of the land from the 1948 division uh, that would have been in existence for 23 years now. So I think you have to create the uh, environment in which there is a chance uh, to revitalize the peace process and a potential for a two-state solution. Hamas is not interested in a two-state solution. They are dedicated to the destruction of Israel. That is in their charter. If you've been watching uh, lots of different outlets over the last month, that is what the leaders of Hamas say. You know, they want to destroy Israel. So Hamas is not a partner for any kind of peace or two-state solution, but the Palestinian Authority might one time again be. New leadership uh, in Gaza might again be. So we have to get to a point where that's possible. Very quickly, do you think that Benjamin Netanyahu is a partner for a two-state solution? I don't think there is any evidence of that. I think the Israeli people will have to decide uh, about his leadership. I think there will be investigations about what led up to and what happened on October the 7th. But I, I think there needs to be new leadership of the Israelis and the Palestinians uh, in order to have any chance at some kind of uh, peace deal, uh, especially a two-state solution. That was the former U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton speaking to Bloomberg's John Mickethwaite at the New Economy Forum in Singapore. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Now, let's go to Italy for our next story, where the Prime Minister, Giorgia Maloney, has defied expectations with her first year in office. She's boxed in rivals, consolidated power and reshaped the centre-right almost entirely in her nationalist image. But the path ahead looks more difficult, with missteps becoming more likely. Our Rome Bureau Chief, Chiara Albanese, joins us now uh, to talk about this, about leadership in Italy. Good morning, uh, Chiara. How has Georgia Good Maloney's, morning. Good morning. How has Georgia Maloney's first year in office gone? What do you think has emerged as her biggest strength? Look, if you just need one word, it has gone really well. Um, now, the, the most of that uh, realisation is coming from what the expectations were uh, when she came to power. Everyone was expecting a new far-right fascist leader. And this is not materialized. See, she has actually um, achieved a sort of stability within her 
uh, group within her coalition alliance. And she's boxed in rattles, as you were saying. That means that uh, two rockers, men that have always had ambitions to uh, lead, they actually have obeyed to her orders. So why do things get harder now when we look at the path ahead for Georgia Maloney? Oh, look, where to start? There are so many challenges on her plate. The first is definitely the economy and investors' expectations. Um, Some of the missteps that she's done, for example, announcing a windfall tax on profits in the middle of the summer, have been a wake-up call for uh, for markets and for investors. And with the Italian economy not growing and the debt being uh, billions and billions, actually trillions, I have to say, uh, it is a big question for her how to create that sort of growth trend that will uh, make Italy's debt sustainable. Also, how is Maloney working with other EU leaders? What do they think of her? Look, um, again, here we go back to, to the first uh, to the first point. It is going better than expected. Uh, EU leaders, uh, in particular Macron and, and Scholz, and also um, EU officials were waiting for a sort of like extremist um, uh, shouter uh, of uh, far-right ideas, while uh, Meloni has shown to be uh, very compromising and also very uh, practical in negotiating and finding ways out uh, of uh, challenging debates. But at the same time, they are always cautious that she is governing with very different allies from her and, again, of the Italian economic situation. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 11.30. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.